Hello and welcome to the Build with Clay podcast. I am your host, Clay Davis. This podcast is designed to introduce you to people from across the world who have one thing in common. They want to grow in their life and inspire others. You'll get a front row seat to hear about how they define their mindset and their purpose. We'll unearth their habits, their failures, and learnings throughout their journey. And this will allow you to take those habits, those failures, and those learnings and apply them to your personal growth journey, no matter where you're trying to build yourself and grow. This podcast is designed for you, so thank you for being here. Prepare to meet interesting people, hear fun stories, learn something new, and plan to leave inspired. In this episode, we build with Parker Klein. Parker is a software and app developer and has created many apps that you can find in your app store, including, but not limited, to Muse, Aware, and Twos. Parker is originally from San Diego and graduated from Vanderbilt University with a degree in computer science. Parker has worked at Qualcomm, Trustwork, Google, and is now focused on helping people simply remember things through his app and website, Twos. In this episode, we hear about Parker's growth journey, what it's like to work at Google, and how important it is to not only know our why, but how to live our why effectively. This one was a real treat to record, and I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. Super excited to have Parker Klein on the podcast. Parker is uh, just an awesome guy, super into self-help, self-development, super smart. We're going to learn a lot about Parker today, what his background is. And uh, man, I'm just super excited to have you, Parker. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Clay. Very excited to be here. going to be a fun conversation. So I want to get to know you a little bit, get the listeners to get to know you a little bit. So I got some silly get to know you questions. So first question here, would you rather talk only in song or only in whispers? Only in song. Sounds much more fun. Wow. <laughs> Do you have a good voice? I don't think so. But, oh, you know, gosh. I mean, it could come off as annoying to people, but I think you could say the same thing about whispering. I think speaking in song would be very entertaining and uh, something people could join along to. <laughs> yeah, I, I I love the the positivity here. I think that... <laughs> It could go over terribly. Do, should we just do the podcast? <laughs> we could. And all the listeners leave. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Next one. Would you rather live in space or live in the ocean? Live in space. I'm not a big water guy. So I think that'd be an easy one. Did you grow up on the coast? I did. <laughs> hey, I love the climate. I, I'm just not a big splash around type of guy. Mainly it's the sand, I would say. So maybe I'd be more of a lake person. What would you do in space? I mean, I was watching the Return to Space Elon Musk documentary last night on Netflix. Holy moly. Really sick. Mm, so that, there's some recency bias. <laughs> there is some recency bias. But I think, you know, floating around is cool. Just the unlimited potential possibility out in space is pretty cool i think you consider yourself a little bit of an introvert so you probably wouldn't mind just like hanging out up there oh it'd be so quiet <laughs> same with the bottom it, of it the would ocean be pretty though. eerily quiet yeah that's true 
Yeah, I think I would go ocean. Think okay. about this for 10 seconds. I just think there's like more happening, more things. I love space. This documentary is like unbelievable. But if you start to think about space for too long, your head hurts. Mm. Just the vastness of space, or for <laughs> me at least, my head just starts hurting. So I just can't imagine being there and thinking like, oh my gosh, this is where I'm living now. Yeah. The, I mean, the, we, there's a lot we don't know about the ocean too. So there'd be plenty to explore. All right. We'll get a little more serious here um, with a get to know you. Would you rather fight 10 small chickens or fight one horse sized chicken? 10 small chickens. A horse sized chicken would dope. peck me to death. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I don't know where the line is. I think it's 10 small chickens for me too, but I don't know if they said, you know, is it 50 small chickens that you then decide to take on the horse size? I feel if, I mean, if they're small enough, I feel like you could just stomp them or kick them and still kind of maintain yourself. Yeah, we need to be careful. <laughs> the horse size chicken would be dangerous. <laughs> oh man awesome well thank you for for going through those get to know you i think we know you way better now Parker, <laughs> after those not those a water person questions. likes to stomp things <laughs> likes to sing likes to sing perfect all right now we're actually going to get a, get more serious so you know that i ask my guests two questions every time about about their why and their growth mindset yes so i want to start with your why or your purpose and i think you have a story behind how you developed your why. So I, I would love for you to share that. Yes. So my why is to basically discover and understand myself and then do what I love to do, what I am like uniquely skilled or able to do and inspire that same action in others, inspire other people to find and do what they love and live you know, the unique life that only they are capable of. And the story is in probably 2017, I was listening to the School of Greatness podcast, which is another self-development, self-help podcast by Lewis Howes. And he had a guest on named Dean Graziosi, who had this exercise called the Seven Levels Deep exercise, I want to say, maybe just called seven levels deep. And it's an exercise to discover your why. And it starts out with asking, you know, what's important to you? Or what do you want? S something along the lines of that. And then it just asks you, why is that important seven times? So you really are understanding the why behind what you want. And I did that at that time, that the answer that I said <clears throat> was the answer that I got to after the seventh question. And I had just spent so much time in my life trying to do things that would make other people happy and like pleasing other people, meeting their expectations. And probably a year or two before that, I had really started to understand that if I'm doing things that I love and that I think are important, I will be the most happy and like be live the most fulfilled life. But I hadn't really understood like that's what I find to be my purpose. And 
doing that exercise really made it more like crystal clear. And I ended up building that exercise. You can find it at sevenlevelsdeep.com. You can search it on the app store, seven levels deep. But it was a pretty big game changer for me at the time and a big like motivator in my daily life. I really dig your why. I mean, trying to understand yourself and then go and do what you figured it out, what you figured out that you feel like you need to be doing and your purpose, go do your purpose and then inspire that same action in others. And then you can actually inspire others by people going to that website or downloading <laughs> the app store. And you know, it's funny, Parker is I did that. So we were you know, talking about this podcast and you had sent a couple of your creations and we're going to talk about these cool creations that you've made. And one of them is this seven levels deep.com. And a couple of weeks ago, I was walking back to my car and I was like, you know what? I need to check this thing out. The seven levels deep thing. So I went to it and it says, discover what drives you to take action. And then the instructions are just take five minutes to reflect and answer these seven questions. And the first one is, what do you want to do? So I typed in what I want to do. And then it says, why is that important to you? So I typed in what I thought was important to me. And then it said, why is that important to you? And I just started laughing. <laughs> I was like, I totally see where this is going. It's just going to keep asking me why the previous thing was important to me. And I just thought it was such a simple and brilliant exercise. And I love that you enabled it, right? For someone who was just walking to their car mm -hmm. or can just, you know, do it on their phone and force people to think about it. And it's something I see all the time. And I saw it in myself a couple of years ago where we just typically don't give ourselves time mm. to like really dig deep. And that's exactly what this exercise seems to be. 100%. And it really is just that simple. You know, it's seven levels deep. <laughs> it's asking why to get deeper and deeper seven times. Um, but I 100% agree. I, don't, I think that reflection, that's kind of a theme of what I create, but spending time to get to know yourself, what you truly want to be doing. And even like looking at your daily life and seeing if your daily actions are in line with that. Um, and you kind of need to know what you want to do or why you want to do those things in order to make those decisions or judgments. So yeah, I just love, love, love the exercise it was extremely helpful at the time. And I love that other people are able to find it and utilize it. Yeah. And that's just a really cool, simple creation you've made. Do you think that your why can change over time? Definitely. And I think that it's mine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It leaves a little bit of like wiggle room because it's kind of a not, it's an everlasting like self-discovery and doing what you love because you know your desires and things change over time so it's kind of involves a check-in with yourself to make sure that you are doing the things that you want to be doing and think are most valuable so that's where I, I would say it's there's still like a consistent north star but how you get there and what you do daily or monthly or whatever it may be, those are able to change.
as I walked to my car when I was doing that initial exercise, I didn't give it the, I think the, the focus that I needed to give it. So I'm committing myself to doing it when I'm, you know, sitting in a room, no distractions in a place of calm. Maybe, maybe I've just meditated, really try to get Zen and then I'll, I'll do it and I'll report back. Would love to hear it. it. And it really is that. I think that one of the disclaimers on the website is that you get out what you put in. <laughs> so if you give it time and reflection, you'll hopefully get more of that out. Whereas if you're, you know, putting in unthoughtful answers, then you probably won't get anything too drastic. I will make sure to link it in the podcast notes so people can go to that and check it out. Other question I always ask my guests, Parker, how would you define a growth mindset? So I have read Mindset by Carol Dweck, but I would describe it as just like a belief that you can change and that you can improve. And basically that even challenges bring the best out of you. Challenges allow you to improve faster rather than looking at them as like something that's hard, something that helps you grow and helps you accomplish more. In that book, they talk about growth mindset versus fixed mindset. Fixed mindset's basically saying, this is the way I am. I can't change. I can't improve. And obviously the people that have the growth mindsets and that are looking for ways to improve um, accomplish much more in their life. And that's kind of the mindset I want to have going through my entire life. Well, and I think that'll come across throughout the conversation, Parker. I mean, you've been, you've done so many things. We've already talked about one of your creations with seven levels deep. So I'd love to just hear a little bit about your journey. I mean, you're a super smart guy, um, you know, can develop apps, websites, and uh, I just think you got just such a cool journey. So you're obviously into into coding, into d- software development. When did you write your first line of code? And I love this question. And also, thank you. That was the, one of the kindest things anybody's ever said to me. I wrote my first line of code freshman year at Vanderbilt University. I went in mechanical as a mechanical engineer. This was... 2012 or 2013 it was second semester i went in as a mechanical engineer and they have a program at vanderbilt where you get to choose three engineering majors that you take three week courses in for the first semester and i did mechanical engineering computer science computer engineering and i absolutely loved the computer science one and was like i didn't even know computer science was a thing and i was like I can create things with software basically, or just like by typing characters into a computer. So I switched my major for a semester. Second semester took CS 101 with Douglas Fisher and wrote my first Java line of code. (laughs) Do you remember any of your first creations? Yeah, there was this one that built a staircase and you could basically type in the number of stairs you wanted to create and it would print out the staircase based on how, however many, what number you put into it. And I remember showing that to my friend and my friend was very impressed. (laughs) (laughs) 
and it was just like a simple does it, text. Does it still sound impressive? <laughs> uh, I think so. Yeah, it, I mean, cool. I couldn't do it. I certainly couldn't do it. So that's awesome. So you didn't get into this. I mean, there's, I guess, I don't know, it's a different, different age now, but you didn't get into this till second semester of your freshman year. Yeah. And now it's about 10 years ago. And I would say that I didn't even really get into like the whole web development and mobile development until probably around like end of junior year or senior year even. That was when I really started to apply what I was learning. But I'm a big builder guy. And it was just cool that you could build whatever you wanted to build on a screen. Did you do Legos as a kid? Absolutely. Huge Lego Legos guy. Build like spaceships. Probably my space yep. interest there. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to think of like, hey, you say you're a huge builder. I'm trying to think of like, what, what did you do as a kid that like that brought this out of you? A lot of Legos, a lot of Sims, the computer game. I used to love like mm-hmm. building houses in Sims. Um, Did you do the roller coaster one too? Oh, roller coaster tycoon all day. <laughs> Big roller coaster tycoon guy. Well, my kid is super into Legos. He's all about the Harry Potter Legos right now. I mean, Legos are amazing. Very simple. A lot of fun. I would say that. For a long time, I, I really wanted to be an architect just because I liked building things. But software is basically that. You architect code. You take this class or you, you change your major. And then how did your journey evolve from there? It was really just learning the basics. In college, you learn like the fundamentals of programming. But you don't really understand how you're going to actually apply what you've learned when you get a real job. And it really continued to be like that. In the summer in between my junior and senior year, I had an internship with Qualcomm, which is a really big hardware computer chips company in San Diego. And their internship program was basically, what do you want to learn And how can we have you build something that may be helpful for us? So I told them that I wanted to build mobile and web apps. They had some great online resources, Pluralsight.com and Lynda.com, which is now LinkedIn Learning, that you could just watch, you know, how to build a website using JavaScript or HTML and CSS, how to build the mobile website. And I brought that to them and they were like, cool, build a mobile app that allows us to spin up tests, builds, and then analyze the results just from our phones rather than having to be at your computer. So on your way back from lunch or something, you could just start firing off tests that you need to run. And I was just in love with it. Like actually being able to utilize what I was learning at school and every morning before work, every morning after work. I would just watch these courses to try to figure out how does a database work? How does a server work? What is front-end development? What's back-end? And that was how I like really started to get involved. That led to twos. That led to seven levels deep. But it was just that actual creation of products that fully showed me what I could do with computer science. 
out of school, what did you do? I took the job from Qualcomm after the internship. And I was on a team that was building internal tools. So I was still getting to do some web development. But at the same time, I was I was working on my own projects outside of it. That's when I built Seven Levels Deep. I also built a like Nerf basketball stat tracking application. Wait, hold on. We got to pause there. <laughs> As a fellow Nerf basketballer. Let's go. How does one use this application? <laughs> So the game is called Tens. A lot of my apps have number themes to them. Twos, tens, seven levels deep. But the game is Tens. We invented it in college. And you basically choose the hardest spot in the room to shoot on a Nerf basketball hoop. And you shoot in two rounds of five. And you try to see how many shots you can make at a 10. So you get five shots at a time. See how you do. And then you switch the rebounder now becomes the shooter. You become the rebounder. So you're, there's also a little team collaboration. You, you know, you're trying to be a good rebounder for the shooter. Um, and you just enter the shots you make out of five and then out of 10 and you get full stats on how you play tens. <laughs> so you have like historical stats. Oh yeah. I, and honestly, I want to pull up my stats right now. Because I I've played a lot I of games. Know the, I want to know the um, yeah I want to know the number of field goal attempts you have entered in there. I have one thousand nine hundred and thirty shots. <laughs> How many did you make? <laughs> I have made. Shoot, it doesn't tell me. Oh, you need to get with the app developer. <laughs> you know what? What's funny is I I shoot forty five percent. So whatever forty five percent of that is. Um, okay. So yeah, you're roughly around like 800 makes. (laughs) I rewrote the application in a new language to learn a new language, but then I ended up bringing it back because I liked the stats in the previous version better. But I I believe that that was a stat. stats? You can, there's a leaderboard. You get to see who you're playing with. When you play with somebody else, you get to see how you perform against them. So maybe you have a higher percentage makes against certain people you got arenas so you can know how you play in different arenas <laughs> it's a full game oh it's beautiful <laughs> and it's still an active app active app it's for everybody anybody can shoot nerf basketballs and it's very simple you just take 10 shots yeah you do if you tie after 10 you shoot overtime rounds of five until there's a winner and anybody can play it's and it's really a I, mind game. <laughs> I would have loved to have had this in college. I would have been racking up a lot of a lot of field goal attempts here. I mean, very cool. Yeah. All right. So you created you, these like you created these apps. You're at Qualcomm. You're doing some of this side stuff, and then what? At Qualcomm, I just wanted to learn more. I would say something that happened while I was there was they laid off a pretty substantial amount of people and I got moved to a different team that I just wasn't really doing much. And actually I spent a lot of time reading <laughs> while, while I worked at Qualcomm and was just looking for a better opportunity to, you know, continue developing and get better at it. So I took a job at Trustwork, which was a startup company. 
I was the second front end engineer, fourth engineer overall. And, you know, they had a huge vision and we were building things really fast. I got a ton of experience building, you know, in a small team and building a lot of stuff. Um, so I really enjoyed that. I got, I basically had set goals and one of them was to work at a startup company in San Francisco and that ended up happening. And, you know, I was still developing my own apps outside of it, but they were pretty intense there. We worked six day weeks and basically worked. I lived in the office, so I basically worked every second of every day that I was awake. Did that for a couple of years. Eventually we had a little bit Did of- Did you a, actually sleep in the office? Oh yeah. Sometimes we slept on pullout couches. Sometimes we slept on air mattresses. So you'd like- put your air mattress away, put it in the closet. <laughs> I, I like slept and worked in the same room and we were in a house. It was like a townhouse in San Francisco. It was wild. <laughs> How long did you do this? About two years, although I moved around a lot. It was a lot of fun. You had two years of true startup experience where you are probably drinking Red Bull and eating like crap and not sleeping <laughs> at all. And when you are sleeping, you're sleeping next to your desk and you do that for two years. Pretty much. It was, it was pretty epic. <laughs> wow. What was your learning from that experience? That learning through doing is the best way to learn. Just like being, putting yourself in a situation where you're like forced to either learn or fail basically and getting outside of your comfort zone, not just sticking with what you know, but finding ways to like constantly improve yourself is really how you improve yourself. All right. So trust work, then what? Trust work, left trust work, worked at Google. So when I had left I, and I had wanted to work at Google since college, I'd read a book about Google called How Google Works, I believe, written by the founders of Google. And then obviously the Vince Vaughn Owen Wilson movie internship. So I'd wanted to work obviously. there. I'd interviewed a few times, never got it. Had the job offer, went to San Jose to work at the almighty Google. <laughs> and what did you do at Google? At Google, I worked for Google Chat and Gmail for iOS. So I did iOS front-end development um, for Chat and Gmail. And this was also when they were they, – they had this like G Suite uh, workspace is what they call it, which is like the all-in-one. I don't know if your Gmail app has changed recently, but now – there's tabs for chat and meet inside the Gmail app. Mm -hmm. So it was right, it was right around there. I was working on the chat and groups tab, but did a little bit of work on the mail and meet tabs as well. And what was your experience like at Google? Oh, it was the best. <laughs> um, the offices at office of perks are, you know, better than you could expect. Um, I, I refer to it as adult Disneyland. So 
as a kid, you know, Disneyland has rides and free food or not, I guess not free food. Your parents buy it for you. It's free to the kids. <laughs> free to the kids. When it was the same at Google, you know, every, literally everything is free. They would pick me up in a Wi-Fi enabled double decker bus every morning from my apartment and would drive me to work. I'd get to read in the, read on the bus, get there. You know, they've got endless options of free food and you have breakfast and then you do work for a little bit, maybe go shoot some hoops, ride a bike around. Um, <laughs> it was really just a play some basketball, play some basketball, meditate. And they do treat you like a human. <laughs> I would say that that was the biggest kind of like, wow, this place is really as good as they say it is. Because I know companies like Amazon, and I, I guess I don't know from fir- firsthand experience, but they they like really work you and expect you to be, you know, producing or whatever. And at Google, it, it's an engineer-driven company and culture, so the managers aren't really telling you what to do. They're kind of making sure that you have everything you need to be successful. And that, that was just a pretty wild experience coming off of trust work, which was like, you are <laughs> almost like a slave in a, in a, in a sense, like do this, do this, do this. And Google was kind of like, what do you care to be working on? This is what we have to choose from. What, what gets you most excited? It was an amazing experience. So you have this adult Disneyland. Yeah. And then you choose to leave. Yeah. <laughs> Why? Why would you ever want to leave Disneyland? <laughs> you know, it, it was one of my friends came to visit me one day and we were just talking about it. And I was, and I was basically saying, you know, I, I was happy there, but I still wasn't really feeling like I was living out my purpose and like what I felt I should be doing. And we were talking about how even when you have everything, I mean, it's very similar to people that are extremely wealthy. You can have everything, but still be sad because you just find no meaning in it or you've got other problems that money can't fix. And I was just kind of telling them that, you know, it's an amazing place to be, but I still don't feel like I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. And that was obviously a pretty big motivator for me to <laughs> move on, I guess. And, you know, it, it's not like a startup. Things move very slow. You don't, I learned a lot because I went in doing something entirely new that I hadn't done before. Um, but once you kind of get a hold of that, you're, you know, doing a lot of the random checks and company stuff, you know, company meetings yeah, your and growth things. trajectory, your growth trajectory is just different. Just kind of slows not, a little bit. You're not growing. Um, yeah. And obviously I was very passionate about, right, I still am very passionate about twos and Another motivator there was under their code of conduct, I was not able to promote twos publicly because it was in conflict with Google Keep. 
so I had a lot of meetings with just like the code of conduct and business people just trying to see if I could, you know, figure out what I can do versus what I can't do. And those conversations moved slowly. And eventually I was just like, this isn't what I want to be doing. And, you know, my whole discover what you love to do and do what you love. And it just wasn't fully fulfilling me. That had to be very difficult to leave Disneyland. <laughs> like there's there had to be a part of you. I mean, it's no different than I love the the comparison to the ultra wealthy. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, it would be very hard for someone who's ultra wealthy to give up, you know, their Aston Martin and their 10,000 square foot home with a pool and a basketball court and to walk away from that to go live in a ranch and, you know, drive a 1985 Toyota truck, but be able to do the things that they truly Mm -hmm. want to do. I mean, that's a complete lifestyle change. You've built your identity around this. Mm -hmm. I'm sure you had built part of your identity around like being a Googler or whatever you call yourself at Google. Nailed it. Googler. (laughs) Googler. All right. And then you are going to, completely divert and just like leave that had to that had to be challenging personally it was pretty wild i mean a lot of having a career is like building up the resume and establishing yourself as a competent human being um and you know obviously google at least in today's world that's kind of the pinnacle of the top of the pyramid um, for uh, like geek who read software. And you kind of are looked at as this person that's kind of got everything figured out and knows, you know, what's going on. And obviously leaving that can come off as, you know, what is this person thinking? (laughs) Are they unintelligent? (laughs) so so yeah it was it 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 wasn't an easy decision at all and google obviously made it much harder than it could have been Well, i'm sure they threw equity and salary and perks and all sorts of stuff to keep someone smart like you around and and that's and that's hard to turn down i mean that's I'm, i'm sure whatever it was was really difficult to turn down and um if I would love to like dive into this a little bit more. So like you, you have this conversation or multiple conversations with your friend. It kind of was like bubbling up. Hey, like this is not fulfilling anymore. I want to go work on my passion, which is twos, which I realized we have, we're more than 30 minutes into this and haven't even described what twos is. So we're, we're going to get into that for those that keep hearing it being referenced, but you want to go do this. Now you have to actually go through with it what went into actually going through with it just a lot of reflection and i would say the majority of the conversations that i was having was with my parents my brother and now my current roommate and co-founder joe but just you know kind of thinking beyond the current situation and saying you know what if in two years like I make this decision now and in two years, twos fails and, you know, I have to go find a job. What's 
what's like the worst that could happen? What's the best that could happen? And just kind of making sure that I'm thinking it all the way through and not making a decision that, you know, I didn't think about um, enough or like felt like I thought about it enough. And then, you know, having conversations with my manager who was just the absolute man and, you know, he had tons of experiences like this. So he was able to talk about, you know, previous coworkers and just having a very supportive group of people around me. My parents are the most supportive people of all time. I mean, all they want me to do is what makes me happy and they want to support me however they can. Same thing with my brother. So it's, that was very helpful and realizing that the worst that can happen is really not that bad. Like we can always make more money. We can always find another job, mainly luckily because of, you know, who I am, where I was brought up, things that are somewhat out of my control, but I'm just a very fortunate person. So yeah, thinking through, <laughs> you know, what's what's the worst case scenario and realizing that my time could be better spent doing something that I truly believe in and want to be doing for the time being. Parker, that worst case scenario exercise is brilliant because if you really like think about it, worst case scenario of leaving a great job and going off to do something on your own is like, okay, I fail. And you could probably, I mean, my guess is that you did great work at Google. So you could probably even get a job back at Google. But even if not, that there are tons of other, because of the skill sets you've had, the experiences you've had, like you're going to be able to go get another job. And like you said, you're fortunate to have been put in that position. And a lot of stuff was outside of your control about where you grew up, who your parents were, all those things. But it's a great exercise for anyone who's struggling with a decision or some something's pulling out your heartstrings or wanting to go do some passion project. I'm sure it wasn't easy, but going through that exercise, I think is puts things in perspective. There's a really good, I don't know. I think it's like a blog or article by Jeff Bezos called regret minimization framework. And he's basically trying to think through what are the decisions that would reduce regret over a lifetime. And, you know, would I regret not pursuing what I believed was possible and like that I'm ultimately able to help the most people? Or would I regret not staying at Google and making more money and I don't know, (laughs) just having a nice, a very nice life. And I think the looking back at the end of my life, I would regret the first one much more. Like I would regret not pursuing what I believe in and what I love and what I believe will ultimately help the most people um, way more than never taking the risk. Yeah. Another great way of looking at it. Let's get into twos. Yes, You've sir. created a lot of things. Obviously, you're most you're most proud of creating the Nerf. <laughs> there's there's no doubt about that. I don't even have to ask that question. What is the next most? What is the next thing you are most proud of creating? I would say twos 
is the most <laughs> is the one I'm most proud of creating. Tens is wonderful. Tens will be probably one of the best like home games, family games of all time. I, I uh, predict, but overall, it's twos mainly because of probably like how good it's gotten and the ability for me to utilize it on a daily basis and you know see the value every single day you know many times a day twos is definitely my most um the one i'm most proud of creating continuing to improve and work on and i feel like i would not all right give us the pitch <laughs> exactly. what is twos okay twos is an app and it's a website because people forget that it's a website that helps busy people simply remember things. So we all have a lot of things going on, things we need to remember, things we need to do. Twos combines all of these things, your thoughts, to-dos, reminders, calendar, all in one place so that you can simply remember things. And the things that you write down in twos are actually called things. So that's when you say, you know, Parker, you've created a lot of things. I would, I would kind of laugh at that and say, yes, I am writing things down every day. I create things every day. But yeah, you know, every day you get a new day to write things down. So it helps you organize things in a very natural way. But it's really that all-in-one place, thoughts, to-dos, reminders, that's like very valuable. What prompted you to create twos? That summer when I was learning in between uh, junior and senior year, when I was learning um, how to build mobile and websites, apps, web apps. And at the time I had been writing a lot in Google Docs and then occasionally would write some things in Apple Notes. But I was thinking about you know, Twitter and Facebook and how all of these platforms are designed only to write things that you want to share with other people. And really I was like, why is there not a place to write things privately? And then you can choose which of those things that you've written privately to share with other people. And kind of the whole idea being if you're writing them privately, they're going to be more true. They're going to be more, you know, true to who you are and the ways that you think. And then being able to share some of those things that are very personal to you would strengthen connection with other people even more. It would help you connect with other people because you're not just writing to kind of like show off or teach other people, I guess, but you're writing the things that are about you personally, and then you're able to share some of those things. And that's what it was. It was the original version of it was a two-sided platform for writing things privately and then being able to share things <laughs> that you would write down on a day or on a list. And since then, we've stripped the public feed basically and just really focused on that private capturing of things and making that very powerful we've added to do's we've added reminders and you know now we're on our third version of it so it's constantly getting better but 
just kind of giving people that private space to <laughs> remember things. What's the end goal? Get bought by Google. <laughs> it all comes back to Google. I mean, what a what a company to be acquired by. <laughs> that that would be that'd be nice. So like, okay, so people make apps all the time. They make websites all the time, and a lot of people have that goal of being acquired because you're putting a lot of your own time, your own money, mm-hmm. efforts, all of those things into building this thing with the idea that, you know, it can scale, I imagine, mm-hmm. and then you get acquired. So what actually has to happen in your mind? And you could talk about it specifically with twos or just a general in the software world for an app to get acquired. So, and I, and I, <laughs> I feel like I need to say the reason why acquired is the end goal is because I believe that a larger company or people that are more established with running these large businesses would be better suited to bring twos to its ultimate potential than maybe myself. Like I might not be the the best person to run the company, I would say. Like obviously it's not just a money game. It's like uh, how do we ultimately reach its full potential? And well, if it was a money game, Parker, you would have just stayed at Google. <laughs> That's true. This is true. So, and then what goes into an acquire? Actually, I'm reading a book right now, and I should have finished it already because the authors of it spoke to us about it maybe last week, but it's called Exit Right, and they have a framework. I think it's called FAIR, but it goes into like, the reasons why a company would acquire another company. And it's based on like alignment. It's based on the integration of how do they maximize potential after the, after the acquisition fit. So there's a lot that goes into like a reason behind why a company would acquire you. But I think of, twos as like my personal Google, like I write everything down in twos. If someone like sends me an email or something, I will usually transition the information into twos just because it's like my one place to remember anything. And it's capable of being that for me. And it just saves me a lot of time. But I think of, you know, twos is my personal Google Google is like just like public information on like businesses and information, whatever it may be. And I see twos as ultimately becoming like the largest network of private and social information, allowing people to store whatever they want privately and then share those things sort of like a Twitter and Google would be very helpful in, you know, scaling that, making the search very powerful, making the communities very powerful. So yeah, did that answer the question? It's kind of like what makes the acquisition yeah. make sense. Yeah, no, I, I know we're going down a little bit of a rabbit hole. I was just kind of curious because I think that that's the goal of a lot of you know people who go and go try to build something. Yeah. And obviously you love to build and you want to inspire. I mean, back to your why and your purpose, you want to inspire as many people as possible to go take action and think that this, an acquisition would, would certainly help that. Um, so kind of want to get back to you love to build you got these apps you got these creations 
what we see as a user is something that's really clean, really easy to interact with, really simple. I mean, just think about any app on your phone or any website. And most of them are very, very easy to use, very interactive, but there's a lot of work that goes into that. And you are an example of a type of person that puts all that work into making our experience as the user really easy. So what would surprise people about developing software? My answer to what would be surprising to people is how quickly someone can learn this nowadays based on all the development that software has gone through and you know frameworks and things that people have created that other developers can utilize so kind of in order to create something the barrier to entry is not that big you could watch some courses online and learn how to do it in like a fairly short amount of time and then so i think that's what would be surprising but obviously it's much more than just developing the app. Any Anything from like the actual project structure and the decisions about like where you're going to be hosting and setting all that stuff up. But then a lot of it is, you know, analytics and user studies and talking to people, gathering feedback, hearing what people have problems with. I guess it becomes more of like a human problem. <laughs> into making something that's actually usable. I think that that was something that I lacked for a very long time and something that I'm still not the best at, but it, like talking to the users, hearing what they're confused by or what problem you're trying to solve for them. And, you know, thinking about how you can improve the app from there, but user studies and like actually watching people use the app are probably the most helpful thing you can do. Yeah, because I know it's one thing to build software, which I know you enjoy doing, but it's a whole other thing to continue to maintain it and then improve it because you have one idea of how an app you know, like Twos would be used and then you watch someone else use it and you're like, oh, never really thought about it that way. So what have you learned about taking feedback, working with humans on how they use things? And like, because I'm sure you get suggestions all the time. Hey, go do this or can you you know add this feature? <laughs> but you can't. Thing. Mm-hmm. You don't want to do everything because you got to keep it simple. So like, how do you go about taking, seeking the feedback and then actually prioritizing what to implement and what not to? It's a pretty organic approach and it's something that I would like to put a little bit more structure around. But I guess I just have this longer term vision of what it will be and suggestions and requests are more like I treat them more as a like would that help get to this goal right now is that maybe more down the road because a lot of things somebody will suggest something or we'll do a user study and I'll see them you know struggling to find a certain button and I'll make the change immediately it's like this needs to be here or else no one's going to understand how it works or there's a you know, recently we added calendar integration. So the events on your calendar will just show up on your day, like where you're already writing things down. You can see, oh, I'm talking to Clay here. And that was a suggestion from a user that was just like, 
that sounds epic. <laughs> like we need that right now. So it really just depends. I'm, obviously, I keep track of everything that's requested, and I would like to make it more systemized and you know allow people to see everything that we've got coming up on the roadmap and allowing people to vote on features that they want to see more quicker than others, but still kind of maintaining the core of what we're trying to do. And we're not just going to add everything or fulfill every request immediately just because one person says it. So it's kind of like if it's brought up a lot, we should probably get to that sooner rather than later. (laughs) Yeah. And it's funny, Parker, as you were talking about this, I was kind of equating to, I mean, you could apply the advice you gave to kind of your life. It's like, hey, because you, you said that you had this long-term North Star vision for the for the app, mm-hmm. what you want it to be. And then you have all these people, these other humans that are saying, hey, do this, try this, do this, don't do this. And you're trying to take those and equate them. Will this allow us to get to our North Star? Or will it distract us? Mm -hmm. And I know that that's not the only thing you're doing, but it's kind of how I'm going to take this and run with it. I think you can apply that to your life. It's like, hey, here's my purpose, right? Whatever it is, go on sevenlevelsdeep.com and go figure out your purpose. And then all the distractions, all the things Mm -hmm. that your family, your friends, your coworkers, people in your life that are going to come at you. I mean, we get requests all the time for our time and attention for, from social media, from people in our life, people, it, all, all these things, right? And it's up to us. We are the only ones that can say yes or no to this these user feedbacks we get all the time. Yeah. And I think, I think a great thing and a really hard thing, and you're not going to be able to do it 100% of the time, is if you know what your North Star is, what your purpose, what your why is, and if you can equate whatever the, the meeting, the project the vacation, the phone call, whatever it is, if you can say, will this help me fulfill my purpose or my why? And start asking that question about about what people are requesting of you and use that as your North Star, I think life can get a little bit more simple and hopefully you can become a little bit more fulfilled. Oh, absolutely. I think that that's you know, crucial in basically everything is allowing yourself time to check in and be like, is this what I actually want to be doing? Or is it just something that was presented to me? And it's easy to say yes to, even though it might not be something that I fully want to be done. Yeah. It's something I'm continuing to work on. I would say I've always been a yes man. Just like, Hey, I'm going to go try everything, help everyone do everything and it's like, man, I, at some point I got to start saying no to things. It's only so much time in the day. There's only so much time in your life. And yeah, if the, and you start, you, you, if you really give yourself time to zoom out and say, okay, what are the things that I really need to prioritize? And there's some things that are going to be on your calendar or on your list or mm-hmm. things that you're going to do that aren't going to be in alignment. It's just, that's just life. But if you can start like stripping off some of those things or interactions or projects or just things that have just been out there, um, it's amazing how that compounds into more time mm-hmm. to really spend doing the things you want to do. Absolutely. To a certain extent, we're all 
kind of people pleasers. We want to be liked. We want to help other people. We want, you know, to make the world a better place. But really, I, I think that that's perfect. I mean, if you know what you want to be doing, certain opportunities present themselves. But if you don't see it ultimately allowing you to do what you believe your like true potential is, because I think for me early on, you know, even at college, I wanted to be building twos because I saw the benefit for people beyond me, like for even beyond my lifetime. And that won't happen unless I take the time to work on it. And in college, a lot of people would be like, come out with us. You know, we're going to this bar or whatever, pretty much every day of the week, because that's what you do in college. And it took a lot to say no to people and say, no, because, you know, in the morning I like to wake up early. I want to get, I want to work on twos. And it's hard. You're you're not going to get the result the next day, whereas you would get the result immediately by just going to hang out with your friends. And, you know, it does take that longer term vision to prioritize things that won't pay off immediately. And really, those are the things that will make you more fulfilled. It's like, I'm actually working on something that I believe in. And I'm not saying that I don't love my friends and want to hang out with my friends. But there, if you can find that like deeper reason behind you know like even dieting or whatever it may be it makes every decision easier and it allows you to like prioritize the things that are important to you i'll get off my my soapbox now it's you're i mean you're spot on parker it's it's hard because gosh you keep i don't know i keep reading about how to say no right Mm -hmm. at work with with people in your life and um I've mentioned this on the podcast many times, but you know, with what happened with my dad, when he got diagnosed with ALS passed away 18 months later, you know, I see that firsthand mm-hmm. and I'm like, geez, man, it's just like a punch in the gut and a realization that life is short, man. Mm-hmm. Like surround yourself with the people that you want to be around. Don't just like be around people just that don't align with your, your values or don't align with, you know, bring you fulfillment when you're around them. And that's hard because like, I've always been the type of person that just like wants to be around everyone. And I love being around people. But when you start having all these other priorities, all these other passions, if you have a family, all all these things, if you say yes to everyone and you try to maintain every acquaintance, like you're going to run out of time in the day. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's, and it's hard. I'm sure there's people out there that their why or their purpose is to just have as many conversations with as many people as possible because that's what brings them joy. Like yes. learning about others, hearing about others, talking to others. So I I guess I thought that used to be me, but now it's like, no, I got my core people in my life, you know, ride or die, right? We're like, I'll give you any time you need. Mm-hmm. I want to have it. I want to learn about your life, know about you, all those things. But then I don't know. I, I'm kind of on my soapbox too, but it's just interesting because this concept of time and attention has just gotten my attention is that you only have so much time. You only have so much attention and you have to really pause and think about where you want to spend that time and attention and then have to be really intentional about 
your calendar basically. Yeah. I think it's just like a priority thing, you know, just make sure that you're prioritizing activities that can allow you to reach the goals that you're setting or things that you want to do in life because nothing really comes overnight. You kind of just need to make sure that you're moving the ball forward on like at least a somewhat frequent basis and just making sure that those, the things that you ultimately want to be doing and are really like no one would be doing them unless you do it. You know, we all have unique interests or skills that we're only capable of accomplishing. And if we don't make the time, then we will not do them. And then it's kind of that regret minimization framework. Like, will you regret not having spent more time doing whatever it may be? Um, Just based on everybody's own personal interests. Like nobody can say what's important to somebody else or what they're truly capable of. It's really like coming back to my why, figuring that out for myself, inspiring other people to figure that out for themselves and like motivating them to go do it. You got me thinking about when you said your friends would ask you to go to the bar and you know, sometimes you would say no because you wanted to work on twos. It sounds like you already had some pretty good behaviors that you wanted to have personally. What behavior or habit do you wish you had at that age at around you know, 21, 22? It would have been caring less about what other people thought of me <clears throat> and like not worrying about meeting their expectations because their expectations are based on their own values and their own things that they believe they should be doing. So just kind of like zoning in on what I want to be doing and what I think is valuable and just staying strong with that. I probably would have wished I said no to going out more just because I do find so much happiness and joy in working on myself, on working on these tools and building things and creating. And I don't think I ever see that time as like wasted when sometimes if you're going to the bar for the third night in a row, you'd be like, what am I doing with my life? Or, you know, whatever <laughs> the, the occasional thought sloops in there. And yeah, I would just say, I wish I cared less about what other people thought of me because it takes effort to maintain, you know, someone else thinking highly of you. For sure. Yeah. Especially if that thing that they're thinking highly of you is not really your genuine self. Right. Yeah. There's a lot of effort to maintain that. You're right. (laughs) In the last couple of years, what is a, I know you're big into Mm self-development and self-help and reading a bunch of books. So what's like a new belief or behavior or habit that's most improved your life? It's consistently reading. I would say I like to read basically anything (laughs) that someone else would recommend to me and every book I read changes the way I think it either introduces me to a new way of thinking or a new skill or whatever it may be understanding of like history and why we are the way that we are um but reading 
every every time I sit down to read, my mind gets blown in some way or another just because of what somebody's been capable of compacting into a book. What books do you most like to gift to friends? My top two are Meditations by Marcus Aurelius, who was like the Roman emperor back in the day, and As a Man Thinketh by James Allen, which is a very short book. But both of them just completely just showed me new ways of thinking, like that you actually are capable of controlling your thoughts, that thoughts are just thoughts, that you know, you can let them go and move on to a new one and just how powerful the mind can be in making us take action or even being nice to somebody else. Those were the biggest two for me. Good recommendations. I, I so I've heard of meditations by Marcus Aurelius. So I, I, I need to add that to my list, but, um, have not read as a man thinketh. So I love great recommendations. So thanks for adding those to my list. Those are both fire. All right. So um, I, I know that you're a little bit of an introvert. You like to code. You like to not go out. I mean, as we've heard, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. No, but you, you've, you're built, you've been building this app for a long time. Mm-hmm. In order to get people to use the app, <laughs> you kind of got to do some level of promotion, marketing, other things. So like, what, like, what is it like promoting something that you're creating when maybe your personality is not, it's it's not the most comfortable thing. I think it's only challenging because of the stories that we tell ourselves. <laughs> and in that meaning, like, I constantly tell myself, it would be so much better if it had this, or, you know, I can't wait till it has this. And kind of just we tend to think negatively on ourselves and like if we are capable of helping other people or whatever it may be and so a lot of it is just that it's just getting in my own way and not believing in myself or what I've built to actually help people but then when you hear success stories or you know someone reaches out to say how amazing it is or whatever it's motivating it's like oh no what i'm doing is helpful and like i am on the right path so i would say that the lack of promotion is just itself derived and i wish i could stop it i wish i could you know just tell myself that i'm the greatest and i could go out there and tell people twos is the greatest and you know, maybe that would convert a little bit better. But I also just see it as a fun challenge to like get better at this because it's not something that I feel like I'm good at. But I w- want to be good at it so I can, you know, help as many people as I hope to eventually help. But yeah, I mean, everybody, everybody, what is, what's the term they talk about where you kind of, imposter syndrome or something like that yep where you you like you know you just kind of don't believe in yourself as much as other people may believe in yourself Um, yeah you don't believe that you have the skills or experience to be there yeah so just trying to 
kind of be aware of the stories that you're telling yourself and just get it out there for people because that's how you're going to learn. You you learn from seeing other people's reactions and hearing their feedback. So just being open to promoting and putting yourself out there a bit more. And that's that, that is how you help people. Like people myself I benefit from listening to this podcast and that would be the same for other people. And I, I, I don't, you know, I don't want to point the finger, but that is part of the work. Part of the work is getting it in front of other people that would, would benefit from it if they were only aware. So our jobs as creators is also making sure that they have the opportunity to benefit from what we're creating. Yeah. I like how you put that. So final thoughts on creating here. So we've talked about a couple of things you've created. Obviously, I know you said you were most proud of twos. I really think if you go back and think about it, you're going to be proud of tens more than twos, but you know, we can have that at an offline debate. Um, what, what else have you created Parker? I'll do a shameless personal plug. ParkerKlein.com. I post all of my book notes on there um, and just kind of what I'm up to. So if you ever want to read any of my book notes, you can find them there. Search meditations or whatever it may be, and you'll get a gist of what the book is. Um, But then two of the other ones are Muse which is a daily reflection app. So we have, I want to say it's like a thousand questions that are tailored to gratitude, self-improvement, growth. Um, And the idea is to spend time reflecting each day just to make sure, you know, what you're doing on a daily basis or a monthly basis or whatever is moving you towards your goals and what you want to be doing and you know looking for ways to improve what like a example of a question would be like what did you do yesterday that you don't want to do today or just a very like reflective application um daily reflection (laughs) it's not it's not that complicated and then another one is called aware and it's basically like a daily habit tracker so I track the foods that I eat. I track if I program, if I meditate, if I go for a walk, if I read. And then it gives you a bunch of, I'm a big like personal statistics guy. So it gives me statistics on, I can do comparisons between them. Like I, I also uh, track how I'm feeling on a one to five scale. So I can see like, oh, if I walk more, I feel better. And just kind of getting this, big statistics out of the things that I'm doing on a day-to-day basis. So, but yeah, I think that's it. Tens, twos, that's it. seven levels cre- deep, aware, muse are my big boys. All right. So that's, that's all you haven't created anything else. <laughs> that's all. And it's, and they are, I guess, besides tens and even tens, you could throw it in there. They're all built around helping people learn about themselves write down goals and just live to their true potential for the listeners. I'm going to link all this stuff. 
um, so that you can make sure that you have access to anything that intrigues you. I just love that this lines up so well with your why (laughs) in that, you know, you want to discover and understand yourself, which a lot of these apps do. (laughs) And then you want to try to, you know, prioritize accordingly, make sure you're doing the right things and then inspire that same action in others. And so you're building these things that hopefully can inspire action in some people. And I think that's just, that's really neat. So I'm going to go check out some of these. I've checked out a few of these things like twos and, um, uh, muse and seven levels deep, but I haven't checked out the other ones. So after I go play my nerf basketball game <laughs> with my wife and my son, I'm going to go and check out aware in parkerkline.com. So <laughs> awesome, man. Well, dude, this was a lot of fun, man. I, I, I feel like this conversation could go in a lot of different directions and we could probably talk for a whole lot longer, but I'm just really grateful that you spent time on the podcast. Is there anything that we didn't cover that you want to make sure we get out there? I would say that the like motivation to help other people and kind of living it to inspire other people that they can do it too. I would just say we are all human beings that have our own like problems and gifts and that it may sound impressive that I've built all this stuff, but it's not like anybody can do it as long as you decide to do it and put effort towards doing it. Um, So I really do hope that it's just motivation for people to spend time doing what they love. That's basically the whole, the whole uh, reason for being, I would say. Couldn't say it any better, Parker. Well, we have built with Parker Klein and that built uh, takes on a different meaning with you because you have literally built many, many things. So we've built with Parker Klein. Parker, thanks for being on. Clay, thank you so much. Really appreciate it. And to all the listeners, I love you. Hey, listener, it's Clay. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the Build with Clay podcast. I encourage you to subscribe wherever you listen so you can discover all the episodes and hear from others about their growth journey. If you know me at all, you know that I love feedback. So please rate the episode and provide your comments so I can grow and be better for you and our guests. For more content, you can find Build with Clay on Instagram at Build with Clay and head to claydavis.substack.com where you can sign up for a bi-weekly newsletter sent directly to your inbox. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you're inspired to grow.